Yo, this is Steve Bloom, and you're watching Moana Nui Podcast. We'll be starting soon. Don't go anywhere. I'm Veronica Taylor, and from myself and Ash Ketchum, I just want to say, Moana Nui, I choose you! What is going on, everyone? Uh, welcome to the Moana Nui podcast. Uh, my name is Moana, and I'm the host of the show. Tonight, I'm running point for us, uh, as Dana is not feeling well, so we hope she uh, recovers soon and uh, be happy to have her back on the show. Uh, tonight, we are doing our monthly um, segment on Geek Speak on Sports, um, and really excited to talk about um, some of the, the topics that we have tonight, especially because um, we missed last month due to the holidays. So hope everybody had some good times, however you choose um, to celebrate the season. But hopefully everybody is healthy and at least got a little bit of rest and recharge um, over the holidays. Um, but yeah, so we're excited to be back um, here on the Moana Nui podcast and on the Agents of Geekdom. Um, let's see. I don't really have a ton of announcements other than next month. We're looking forward to celebrating Black History Month. Um, we will probably have um, a short quick starter or Kickstarter um, to help us uh, raise some funds and um, do some highlights on some Black creatives that we've had on the show in different aspects and to just celebrate um, those who are here in the industry um, and making sure that our voices are being told um, in the comics um, and uh, illustrative, all kinds of different mediums um, and all of the hard work that they put in there, especially as independent creatives um, and who are carrying their passions forward. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll share more information as we get the, the pre-launch page up and running so folks who enjoy the show can help us to keep it going. And I'm going to pop in. Candice just joined us. So, um, hey, how's it going? Good to see you um, from, I think you're in the Caribbean, right? Woohoo! Much better than over here. <laughs> um, but I'm going to hand it over to James and let y'all launch the conversation. Um, I will be in the background and I'm just excited to um, have tonight's chat. So have fun, guys. Thank you. All right. Um, so <laughs> welcome back, guys. Uh, missed y'all last month. Um before, Kendacy, I know you have something you really want to talk about, but before we get there, I do want to get college out the way first, because um, I'm not sure if to qu qu uh, qualify this as all-out assault with a deadly weapon. Um, the Bulldog should be locked up for all types of battery charges. Robbery. Um, <laughs> like, I... I I would love to see what Ohio State fans were looking like doing that national title game. Like they only beat us by like seven points. And this is what TCU puts up. Like TCU should have stayed home. Um, final score was 65 to seven for those um, who didn't watch the game. Um, That's a basketball score. Like, I mean, is it? I haven't, I haven't seen a score like that since the last time I played Madden against my cousin. Your little cousin. Yeah, okay, sure. Little cousin. If you want to take Except worse when you say little cousin. I, I mean, nah, because I've beaten grown people like that too. You missed my <laughs> point, but go ahead. <laughs> but I mean, Georgia looked like, unfortunately, 
the the second quarter was where I was really paying attention. And then at halftime, I was like, they got to throw in the towel at this point. I was like, where's Apollo's trainer? Throw the towel, throw the towel. Because it was ugly. And Georgia pretty much looked like grown men playing a Pop Warner team that was just thrown out there for show. Like, if you ever watch halftime of a sporting event where, like, they have the mascots play a football game against the Pee Wee team in pads, yeah, that's what the national title game looked like. Because the mascots are just grown as men who have some athletic ability running around in these big old overinflated costumes against eight and ten year olds. And that's what the national title game looked like to me. It, thoughts for those who've seen any part of it. I didn't watch any of it because I was busy doing stuff. However, <laughs> you didn't a miss person much. in my house was watching it, and all I could hear was, oh. Like over and they should be ashamed. And this must be the second string. And I'd have just stayed home. Like the comments, the comments from the couch were off the chain. And I almost wanted to watch it. And by the time I was like, what's going on? She she was like, you don't want to see this. Like, <laughs> you close, close the computer on like a grizzly murder scene. You don't want to see this. Mm-mm. No. No. I, I I didn't even like I watched a little bit of it, but at least like for the Ohio State game, I could root. I wasn't really rooting for Ohio State as I was rooting against Georgia <laughs> um, to at least, you know, kind of hope that Ohio State. But I was like, when I was, I was like, yeah, there's no point in even trying to root against Georgia in this one because they're going to murder TCU. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, I'm surprised they got that the seven points that they did get. Blown coverage in a short field would do that. I yeah. mean, I, yeah, but a still. broken clock is right twice a day. TCU got their one. <laughs> yeah. It messed up my uh, college football championship day. I went, I went to dug on to the store, got chips, snacks. I was like, yeah, and then yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The party was over by the first quarter. <laughs> right, and I, I was definitely rooting against Georgia, but you know, I mean, you got three Georgia Tech people on this podcast. Of course, we were rooting against Georgia. Against Georgia. <laughs> To hell, Georgia. To hell, Georgia. <laughs> exactly. Zero rooting interest whatsoever, but a massacre yeah. nonetheless. Like, yeah, that, the game was ugly. Like I said, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I caught the highlight. I was like, oh, oh, oh. It should be mentioned that the last two touchdowns Georgia scored were by their backups that they did put in at the beginning of the fourth quarter. <laughs> that little Leroy play. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. Let the water boy get some time and fill out his dream. Right. Considering there are over a hundred students in uniform on the sideline, yeah. <laughs> Joy, you ain't right. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, Bobby Boucher could have, you know, cleaned up. Right. Mrs. Mud Dog's in the house. <laughs> and you know, I was listening to a sports talk radio like I always do every day. And I think the day after one of the sports casters was just like saying, of course, they're going to win because Stetson Bennett is like 20, 25 years old playing against 18-year-olds. So, And I was like, it's not, I don't think it's just him, but they it's were just true. saying it was unfair because he's 25 and they're 18. I was like, he got eligibility. He got eligibility. Pretty Came much. Uh, what was the quarterback? Um, there was a Florida State quarterback some 20-odd years ago who got drafted by Carolina. Um name escapes me right now but he had like a lot of eligibility because he tried to play baseball out of high school Mm. and when he went back he was pretty much like 22 so his senior year he was 26 at florida state you gonna eat your cornbread (laughs) 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 for some of these student athletes to pretty much Go into other sports and then come back and play something else and still have a couple of years of eligibility left. But um, yeah, that's not even right though. Like he, he, oh, get a job. he, he, he <laughs> right. I was gonna say like, what are we celebrating? Him going to the league? No, he's not going to the league. He's going to work for Accenture, or whoever. <laughs> Look, if if Jr. Smith can be done with his NBA career and go to North Carolina A and T with still four years of college eligibility, because I think he went straight out of high school or something like that and play golf, then what's wrong with Stetson Bennett doing whatever it is he did in junior college? Because we just don't like it. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Joy. I was about to say, we just 
just don't like it. The hate is strong with this group. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> we don't deny it. You didn't say be rational. Exactly. I know, right? I would never, hold up. I would never expect anybody on this part on the show to be rational. Let's start Wait there. Wait a second. I'm rational sometimes. Really, Candace? Really? I know. I stand for you, Candace. Yes. She is rational. Black. She feels now like Now you it. know. I have I known you for a very long time, Candace. And I am rational sometimes when yeah, I feel like, feel like it. it. On the I days on the days something yeah. other than why. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're even looking at the screen like that, James. Like get your life together. You're lucky I didn't even Come on, Eagles fan. Come on, Eagles fan. All right, let, let's shift to the to the pros uh, briefly here. Um, and Candacy, this is oh, near yeah. and dear to you being a Bills fan. Um, on the heels of a tragic and basically an event I have no words for for what happened during the last Monday night game of the season between the Bills and the Bengals, uh, DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest basically on the field of play. Um, the game ended up being canceled. Um a couple of days later, he regained consciousness. Uh, like any other ball player, the first thing he asked was who won the game. Um, emotions running high as his health progressed better and better during the week. As of this past Monday, uh, he was discharged from the hospital at Cincinnati and sent home to Buffalo, where he is still doing better by leaps and bounds. I don't know if he's been to the Bills practice facility yet to see the players face-to-face. I do know he did a Zoom call with them on Thursday and Friday um, before the game on Sunday uh, against the New England Patriots, who were pretty much just the wrong team at the right time. But um, <laughs> they, they they call all types of emotions through mm-hmm. that entire stadium uh, in that football game, two kickoff returns for touchdowns. Um, can they see – I'm going to let you have this one right here. Well, the um, latest update, I believe, is that he actually was uh, discharged from the Buffalo hospital and put in the care of uh, the Bills to and at home. It's what I saw on Instagram. I don't know if it's true or not. I, I have to fact check, but I think that came from the Buffalo Bills themselves. Um, I was looking right before I got on the plane this morning to come to St. Croix. It was like seven in the morning, though. So, uh, <clears throat> whoa, whoa, whoa. You're in St. Croix. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, yes. <laughs> I tried real hard to let the jealousy not show on my face, but I know you said that. I heard all the jealousy in the question. <laughs> I am. My um, parents are celebrating their 45th anniversary on Saturday, and my mom is from St. Croix, and so they're doing like a whole, we're, we have this whole family trip. We have this gorgeous VRBO. I was trying to get the Wi-Fi together. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it because I want to talk <laughs> I want to talk about DeMar Hamlin. I do. <laughs> but um, just being a Bills fan, uh, it was like, a, it was one of those just, it was surreal. It was crazy. Um, being somebody who's like certified in first aid and CPR and all that stuff, like just all the thoughts that like kind of raced through your head on what, you know, was going on. And we couldn't even see what was going on because they were so tightly around him um, and people could just speculate. But uh, the amazing thing is that they were so quick to get to him and he's an athlete. So his body is kind of in tip top shape. So, you know, it's really good to hear that, you know, he's bounced back, not out of the, out of the weeds yet, but, you know, just kind of, you know, a lot better than what could have happened or what, you know, could have happened to somebody who wasn't as, you know, in tip top shape and didn't have those people around them to exactly. respond so quickly. So um, as a Bills fan, uh, we just, you know, I think my biggest thing was like, they were like, we're going to start the game. And I was like, no, we're not. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it, it was really good to see just like people and players and everybody just kind of rallying around the fact that this young man, this young human being, like, you know, had to fight for his life and, you know, lost his life and came back basically. Um, you know, when they do CPR and they lose you for a little bit, I mean, that is kind of what happened. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's just, you know, I think that the sports world really, you know, went in on this. And 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 I think sometimes it reminds us that uh, our players are not uh, super people. I was going to say super men, super women, super people. Um, 
and that, you know, at in an instant, anything, you know, anything can kind of take you out in even in sports, you know, a hit or whatever. So it's the first time that we've ever seen this in football. And, um, you know, just thinking on it, like just looking back on it, it's just kind of like the game had nothing like nobody was thinking about this game. Like, no. Well, I know I wasn't. I wasn't even thinking about it. Like going into the game, of course, I was what I was trying to do was I was trying to have the Bills win so that they would be on a bye. So in St. Croix, I wouldn't be trying to figure out how to watch the game. Um, but of course, that didn't happen. Um, but you know, once the, once the game, you know, once everything kind of happened, it just kind of went out the door. So I'm, I'm really excited uh, that he is doing better. Um, I think it just puts things into perspective. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I just think it really does. And I think that the league did a really good job with um, figuring out how to, you know, maneuver through uh, the playoffs and all that stuff uh, afterwards mm -hmm. and just coming to a, a conclusive and decisive decision uh, that, Hopefully comes through Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm super excited. I'm like, let me find my card that has the most money on it because Kandacey's going to the bank. <laughs> 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 when the bank has set up, I got to check. Right. Oh, okay, let me just, I'm going to pull from here, pull from there. Like, I don't even know. I'm going to buy one ticket. Like, my boyfriend is a Bears fan, but he can go if he wants to. But I'm saying I'm going to go. <laughs> And he got the first pick in the draft. He got the first pick in the draft. I know. I know. Yeah. I don't think he heard me, though. He went back out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> but my brother said the same thing just uh, uh, at dinner today. He was like, I said, you know that they could possibly be playing in Atlanta. And he was like, how many paychecks is that to um, <laughs> we just we just spent all this money coming to St. Croix. But um, right. I'm going to have to come down to Atlanta for so super excited, though, about the Bills and uh, being in the playoffs. And I think that it's going to be great. Um, and continued prayers for DeMar Hamlin, of course. Um, and anybody else, you know, that has gone through any anything this year, because, you know, it's hard out there to be hurt mm -hmm. and watching your team and not being able to contribute. Uh, but we're happy that he's alive. And that's that's really the main point of it all. Indeed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I think some, there were a lot of things that were brought to light while waiting for updated prognosis on on Hamlin, um, mainly up until about Wednesday when it was you know announced that he's awake, he's alert. You know, they pulled the breathing tube out and everything. I think those two days in between, there was a lot of former players on the different circuit of shows through ESPN, you know, Fox Sports, whatever have you, were speaking about um, – like you said, these players are not super people, you know, they're, they're human beings. Mm -hmm. um, they have cares and worries just like anybody else. Yes. They play a sport for a living, but this sport in particular, um, these players don't get healthcare. And I think um, that's something that as fans, you know, we forget about that. We, we forget about that sometimes. And, and it's a big deal. Like a lot of times you see, you know, Athletes come on, especially from the NFL, former NFL players. And then it's like, well, who is this guy and how long did he play? You kind of like off put his opinion because, oh, well, he didn't play that long in the league or he didn't have a significant impact. If he's played three or four years in the league, trust me, he's happy where he is right now because that's how long you have to play to be vested mm -hmm. to get health care post your career happening. You have to make it to three to four years. Um, and if you don't get to that point, if you one year and wash out and you don't make it, I mean, you're with without a backup plan you're screwed for life basically mm -hmm. you know so i mean a lot of these players are pretty much just like grind over and over and over again is like practice squad practice squad practice squad so when they actually do make a game day roster and practice squad does count but just to make a game day roster and you see them make a play on sundays monday nights thursdays whenever those programs are being played it is really a big deal if they've been toiling on the practice squad for x number of years because that's that's a that's a dream fulfilled and yeah that Look, these are, um, for lack of a better term, choreographed car wrecks that we're watching every twenty to forty-five seconds for two to three, two to four hours at a time. You know, so I mean, yeah, they're destroying their bodies, but it's. I mean, think about the last time you stubbed your toe on the corner of the bed and how you went down for about an hour, and these dudes are taking hits to the chest with a hard plastic helmet yeah. multiple times in the span of forty-five minutes. Right. 
Exactly. So, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, continued prayers for Hamlin. Um, definitely happy that he's doing better. Uh, Ken Dacey, you did mention the playoff scenario. Uh, <laughs> look, the league was up against the wall because I I pretty much cut the game on right after, like, I think the ambulance was just leaving the field because my mom had called me and was like, why is the game suspended? I'm like, what are you talking about? There's a, the game's not suspended. There's definitely a game on. I'm flipping through, pull up my laptop, like, okay, there's a stoppage in play. Let me go to the website, see what's going on. Okay, a player collapsed. This isn't good because the players who were still on the sidelines of walking up the field had tears in their eyes. And it's one thing for a player to collapse, but without knowing how or why, and those players on the field, actually, they have the better perspective of what's going on happen. So this wasn't just some, oh, he got concussed and he's not responding. This is something dire and serious that they have tears in their eyes. Yeah. Concussed, they can pretty much be like, all right, well, we see movement. He's going to be all right. We know it's a head injury type thing or broken limb or ACL. But the emotion of that was just. I mean, we knew, it, we knew it was bad when we saw how he collapsed and there was mm-hmm. no there was no um, motion on his part to brace himself for anything. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. if you fall, you're going to try to hold your arm or put your hands down. He just collapsed. You were now at the Matrix, like you know yeah. that ugh, just nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was. popped up, like he popped up first. First, he was, and then and then he went down. And the thing was that you know it's bad when ESPN does not replay it, right? And you know they showed it a couple of times, and then after that, when they realized the serious seriousness of it, there was no replay whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatsoever. So. And that is that is correct, Latoya. The Bills have stated they're going to pay his full salary. You know, regardless of him being placed on IR because they have oh, to yeah. place him on injured reserve, you know, the very next day. But they're still going to pay the remainder, you know, his full salary. Um, it's only the right thing to do. It, it is. And, and look, the, the outcome, the ramifications of everything that happened of this game not being played and how it affected the AFC teams involved – it, whatever decision the NFL made, and this is something I try to tell a lot of people who are questioning as far as like what they're going to do and what's going to happen. Like they had a litany of decisions to make and whatever they finally came down to, which is what they ultimately chose last Thursday was like, somebody's going to be unhappy and what's the best worst decision we can make so that we can move on. Obviously look goes without question. You could tell from the way, the broadcast team and everybody at ESPN broadcasting was these players ain't coming back out to finish this game. I don't know what directives the league is putting out there or who's saying what, or what information there ESPN is getting from people down there on the field, game officials. Like these players ain't coming back out here. Like they are done for the night. This is a game that's over. Traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're not coming back on that field for nothing. Like there's no way to make this game up and you know, everything from, well, have them play during NFC wildcard weekend, delay AFC, then the NFC takes a week off and we retool and we just skip the Pro Bowl. And nah, the league ain't trying to disrupt anything more than what's already happened. So the scenarios that were outlined, and there's too many to list as far as how the last week had to fall for certain things to happen. But Bills won, which is the main thing needed to force a um playoff game that if it comes down to Buffalo and Kansas city is at a neutral site by virtue of the bills beating the chiefs early in the season. So um, I didn't even know Atlanta was going to be one of the spots they picked. So um, right. Furious um, (laughs) a playoff game in Atlanta, possibly. And it's not the Falcons. (laughs) It's awesome. It's It's not going to be the Falcons for a long time. It won't, it won't be. How you go now, James, that, I mean, you know, those little digs and stuff, that's just wrong. You know, I dig it, everybody. That's, that's what James does, though. Thank you. Like, hey, can they hey, say I, I've known hey. him almost as long as I've known you? That's what he does. I, I did. First of all, if you if you are a fan of an NFL team, I've taken a dig at your squad at one point or another this season, last season, and pretty much at some point in my life, even my own team. This Appreciate week, it. today, right? Before I logged on, I took a dig. I done already clowned the Packers fan in my chat group for losing to Detroit on Sunday. My best friend who's a Packers fan, he was like, why do you call me Sunday? I was like, because you didn't want to hear anything I had to say. 
the, the, vit, the venomous vitriol I have flowing is how your team sucks. You did not want to hear that on Sunday night. Trust me. You know, I recently heard, I recently found out what the word Schadenfreude really means because I heard it before, but I didn't really get it. And it is the German word for taking pleasure in the suffering of others. Oh, that's so James. Ever been, if Schadenfreude was a person, yes, it would be James. Me in football, yes, yes, yes. it is because I laugh at every team's misery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Max, stop it. <laughs> he's not wrong though. No, I'm laughing at the way that he's pointing. Oh, oh he, the way he, yeah. he didn't get to the way. Yeah, right. to get my pointing right. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right there. That guy, right there. Yeah. <laughs> you are the worst. <laughs> Look. Furious has actually heard me say this. There are 32 teams in the NFL. They all suck for one reason or another. It's true. Including the Eagles. Especially the Eagles. I have crapped on my team since the Super Bowl. We actually won. Yeah. <laughs> and Lat- Latoya, you are absolutely right. That is James. That is James. Full stop. Full stop. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Talk about mm-hmm. my team, too, and their ineptitude to put a decent roster together. I'm actually happy with this season. I kept my mouth shut, too. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Inevitable coaching carousel. I think like five or six coaches have already been fired. Um, The mess that is the Houston Texans and and what Lovey Smith. (laughs) And I love I love Lovey Smith for this. They were like they told him before the game, you're going to be fired. I'm pretty sure they told him before the game he's going to be fired Mm -hmm. regardless. Mm -hmm. And then Yeah. They had a meeting. They had a meeting like Thursday or Friday before that game that he coached on Sunday, and they told him, you're not coming back. And they were trying to get him to uh, throw the game so that they could get that first-round pick. pick. And Levy was like, oh, word? You done told me I'm all right, bet. Let me show you what we're going to do out here. Let me tell you what. This is why they do not tell you that you were fired Friday morning (laughs) on the job. They wait until 4.30 on Friday to be like, this is your last day. Go and get out of here. Because they know you're going to act your whole ass all day if you know about it. If they really wanted to lose that game, they'd have fired Lovey and not let him coach that game game. on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That would have been the wise thing to do, but to actually have a meeting with him telling me, you ain't coming back, and by the way, don't try to win this game. That's disrespectful. As well as stupid. Mm -hmm. And and, and now the lawsuit that... um, Oh gosh, when Brian Flores filed last year starts ringing true because here you have mm-hmm. the Houston Texans is going to be on their fourth coach in four years and basically gave the last two black coaches one year on multi-year guaranteed deals mm-hmm. and yeah. reneged on anything beyond year one. Yeah. To do what? Now you look like you look like I, I can't even find a word for what you look like right now, but the, the, the way this organization is run is ineptitude is being nice and kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, lest we forget they wanted, who was it? Josh McCown, who had zero coaching experience whatsoever. And I don't just mean pro or college level. Like he's never even coached a high school football team. Yeah. They basically just wanted this dude to come in off the street and be like, yeah, we want him for our coach. The hell? And this is the type of thing that we talk about every coaching cycle where the black coordinators don't get any opportunities. Well, they have to have the experience. Well, they've got the experience. There are a number of more than qualified black coordinators right now in the NFL who are waiting for a head coaching job who are unfortunately going to get passed over for lesser qualified white counterparts. The enemy. The enemy, left witch. <laughs> so, I mean, just to name a few. And those are the offensive minds. That you know, they always try to be like, well, well, they don't really call plays, really. It, Wasn't it? Didn't didn't you just say Leftwich? Like he he didn't play quarterback and didn't uh-huh. understand. Leftwich, <laughs> Leftwich was one of the candidates to get the Jacksonville job last year before Doug Peterson got it. Um, apparently, he was going to ask for a say so in uh, some type of. Um, input in player personnel and they were like nah you just want to coach you don't get a say so on player personnel and i'm like how does the coach not get a say so on player personnel mm-hmm. he kind of needs that yeah so he knows who and what he's coaching yeah mm. and my thing is left which was drafted by the jaguars kudos to you all for interviewing him because he was one one of your best players in your short tenured history yeah but 
you're balking because he wants to say so in player personnel? The head coach, They're balking because he wanted some level of control. And that's what they didn't want to give him. Can you repeat that again, Joy? Yes. <laughs> yes. They are balking, as most of them tend to do, because he wanted some level of control, and they refused to give him that. How dare you uppity Negroes ask for more than what I'm giving you? Just get out there and do what we tell you to right. do. Shut up right. and coach. Mm-hmm. Make us our money. Right. right. Because we don't want we don't want you to be able to have any ownership or feel like you have any any ability to influence anything. And we want to be able to make all these decisions so we can take full credit for the success of the team. But if the decisions we made go wrong, we're going to fire you. Yeah. And blame oh, yeah. Even though you didn't pick none of these people. Right. We won't keep everybody else, but you gonna go. We will figure out a way to maintain all of the all of the power with none of the accountability. Right. Mm. And and that is the carousel of coaching in the NFL. In the NFL. Also known as the plantation. (laughs) Yeah. This is my love-hate relationship with this sport. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I just had a squirrel moment. I I looked, I, I pretended to run off screen and looked to my right and remembered that I had these little bottles of chocolate <laughs> and alcohol. <laughs> so we will partake of one of these. Oh, like, oh gosh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Diving back to the co- uh, college briefly, um, something that happened um, before the break, and I know it caused a big stir um, amongst african-american community Deion sanders oh my god <laughs> i am so mad. left jackson state to take the job at colorado and the news that came out around how and why he left what that school did and didn't do and how some people feel he did and didn't deliver on promises he either made or didn't make has been wildly insane to yep. navigate through the holidays. Cause I've had to shut lots of people down and be like, you're wrong on this, you're wrong on this, you're wrong on this. And and look, for those who haven't gone to an HBCU, let, let, let me speak briefly as far as like the Jackson State side of this. I'm sorry, does that mean that means all of us except for you? Is that no yeah. we went to HBCU? I've never gone, going. I've never been to an HBCU either. Okay. This is how HBCUs administrations typically run in regards to the sports teams. They don't give a fuck (laughs) about the sports teams. When you see boosters of these white schools make donations and say, you know, and they'll, you know, however you put on the donation that this is for this sports team or for new facilities or whatever, like they actually go to where they're supposed to go. At a black school, at an HBCU, unfortunately, if I make a donation and wanted to go to the football team for stadium upkeep or team uniforms, nah, like that, it, it ain't going there. It's not going there. Administration is going to block that, snatch that money up and send it somewhere else. So mm-hmm. when you hear when you hear people who went to HBCUs talk about or just former athletes who played a sport, any sport at HBCU, and they talk about how shoddy and run down the facilities are as far as where they're played. That's why. Except for the band. Well, the band, band is whatever they taken care of. <laughs> and that, that's the thing that always that amazes me. And and again, I've never been I've never attended an HBCU, but I have attended football games at an HBCU. And what I have seen in my limited, and I stress limited experience, mm-hmm. is it almost feels as if nobody gives a damn about the game except for like maybe 20 people over in the cut, but everybody is there for the halftime show. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's I'm what we not. do. We put on a show. They we yeah. want to see a show. A show. I've never attended a Morehouse football game beyond going to the halftime show. And I only did that when I was an undergrad and prep. I think I maybe attended three football g- games in my entire college career. Um, four, if you count the one Georgia Tech football game I went to, and they were doing that Budweiser thing, I was like, "What the hell is happening?" Over here? <laughs> I was like, "Why? Why are we doing this? What is what is happening?" Because um, I never sat in the stands and watched the game. You get up, you walk around, you see your friends, you get a hot dog or whatever, you be cute, 
you meet somebody, get their number for later, whatever, whatever. You hear that the halftime is starting. You sit down and you watch the watch halftime, halftime show. And you then get you walk around again. We don't give a damn what the score is. We don't care. You don't win the game. You win the halftime show. Score be damned. <laughs> score be damned. Oh, you can lose by, you can be 65 to 7. We don't care because you just do what the drum majors did, though. <laughs> I mean, James, wasn't it you who told me when John David Washington was at Morehouse mm -hmm. and they were trying to donate and um and his dad was trying to donate some money, mm -hmm. uh, he couldn't give it to the school, like you said earlier. He ended up having to what was it? So, stadium lights, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so this is what happened. Um, because the coach at the time, and this is when I was still going to alumni meetings downtown, um, when my, my boys were president and vice president. Football coach came in and basically laid this all out for us. Yeah, Denzel came to a couple of practices to watch his son, uh, John David. And he's like, you know, y'all got a you know solid squad. And we did have a solid squad when John David was playing. I forgot what the records were, but it was respectable. Um, but he was like, you know, I want to help y'all out. You know, what do y'all you know, what do y'all need? How do I donate money? Do I give it to the school or whatever like that? And the coach told him, stop, nah. Like, if you want to help this team out in any way, you're going to have to hire directly and have them come in because if you give money to the school, we'll never see it. Like Latoya said, um, I guess it goes to the same place like, that the church building fund goes it, to. It does. Mm -hmm. It does. And um, so, yeah, he hired an independent contractor to come in and put in brand new stadium lights. So one, they could have night practices because pretty much they had to leave the field when because the lights mm -hmm. The lights on that field hadn't worked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you watch school days, years Michigan before I got to Morehouse. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know when was the last time they had a night game, but I definitely know it was well before I got there. Them lights didn't work in 95. And John David was there in like, what, something like 08 to 12 or something like that is when John David was at Morehouse. First of oh. all, his name is Baby Denzel. <laughs> I don't know why you keep calling him John David. Stop it, Joy. Baby Denzel. <laughs> Mute yourself and stop your cam. Let us see darkness for a second. You so he hired an independent contractor to come in and put in brand new stadium lights. So now the football team can have <laughs> night practices. They can actually play night games. You know, and, and that so was he had donated a hundred grand to the school that was going directly to the science building. And granted, that's where stuff is really needed because most HBCUs are about education and not and, sports. And I get that. You know. Um, but you're not going to, so back to the point, which was prime, mm -hmm. um, prime and, his, out his pocket. and his nonsense. Um, I was one of those people that was like, he, I really was appreciating what he was trying to do for mm -hmm. HBCUs. He left too early before he had really taken root. I think if he had stayed another year or two, it, we, we would have seen con the continued shift of high caliber players picking HBCUs for the comfort of being around their own people and knowing that they had a chance at getting some um, exposure, some opportunity. Not that we didn't have it in the 80s, but you got to remember in the 80s, we we're just coming off segregation in the 60s. And then you only, that's where all the black players were. Yeah. And they were just figuring out, hey, black people know how to run fast. Let's go get them. Then when we started integrating even more in the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s, there was an exodus from attending HBCUs, especially if you wanted to get into sports. And now it would seem like we might have been coming back. But then the way he left on top of it is just like, oh, well, maybe it was all a lie. And there's going to be a, a significant chunk of people that are going to feel like, oh, this is all just for show. He only did this as a stepping stone to get what he really wanted, which means even he don't want to be at HBCU. So why should I send my kid there? His kid is following him. And so if he had waited a little longer, I think we could have solidified the idea or re-solidified the idea that HBCUs produce NFL worthy players on a consistent basis. Um, and so I'm, I'm a little hurt that that idea is going to be overshadowed and everything else. That's, that's the, that's the big loss for me. But how long though is the question? Because I feel like people were like, Oh, he should have stayed another year. If he stayed another year and then he left, they would have been like, he should have stayed five years. Then if he had stayed five years, they would have been like, he should have stayed six. Like when is it okay for him to actually go to a Colorado state that wasn't even thinking about putting a black coach on their squad, you know what I'm saying? To actually take care of their team. Mm -hmm. when, how is that not a stepping stone for us too? Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. he left this, I think he left the team 
in a good state. Like his offensive coordinator doesn't suck. His defensive coordinator doesn't suck. Like they are still going to be able to be there and call the plays and do whatever. It's just not coach prime. But I think that at the end of the day, what he's trying to say too, is that you don't need coach prime for this. I've done it. I've moved on. Now here's these people that can come up in my spot and do the same things. It's That's just that fair. his name, we know him so well. You know what I'm saying? So I think that him going to Colorado is a good thing because now we have this black coach that's in this predominantly white, you know, mm-hmm. team that they never would have thought to bring him there at all three years ago. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I think that it's still a stepping stone. It's a small one because we're still trying to get in there, but we're trying to get in there. So that's the, that's the way point. I looked at it. Well, you make very good points. And to counter my own argument, We're talking about HBCU attendance. It's up to the parents to encourage their kids to go to HBCUs and stop this uh, ever-present hate on HBCUs like like they're not good enough when they've Mm -hmm. produced so much of the talent uh, in arts, literature, science, um, education, et cetera, that we have in the Black community. Um, So miss me with that HBCUs can't nonsense. But... um, so that's the one thing. And then the other thing is, like you were saying, him going there. The other thing that I heard across the Internet was that he ain't going to be able to act the way he did at Jackson State the, in, in Colorado. They're not, they not high enough to play them games with him. Okay. So you may have seen that with the Internet. But Dion going to be Dion yeah. no matter where he goes. Exactly. So they can they say – People on the internet can say he can't act that way. Watch him. He he gonna do it. Watch him. Yeah. Now, cause one, <laughs> this part, this part is actually true. At the time that his, I think his contract is five years, thirty million, right? Um, to coach at Colorado. At the time that he signed that contract, before the ink was even dry, news had linked from Colorado's own sources. <laughs> They ain't got the money to pay him <laughs> for all five years yet. Yeah, yeah. But they will get it. Yeah. So best believe that they 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 will rob Peter to pay Paul in this case Prime hmm. um, to make sure that he does what he did at Jackson State and turn their program around because they were like a one win team, which is why the previous regime got fired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I make no as. What like I, I'm I'm not conf- I'm not confused or twisted as far as like anything Dion did. Dion did Dion things, right? right. That's um, very true. And and my thing is, why is anybody surprised that he did what he did? This is in Dion's character and makeup. He he didn't like leave Jackson State in a worse place. Hell, he he spent his own money hmm. to renovate their locker room. And the locker rooms of two other uh, teams on campus, right? Um, he had Michael Strahan donate suits to the team so they could look fly when they travel. I forgot about that. Uh, his first year coaching, he actually had former NFL players Terrell Owens, Warren Sapp, um, Clinton Portis, probably a few others whose names I'm forgetting, had them come in every single week to talk to his squad in his first year. They won their conference two years in a row. Granted, they didn't win the bowl game, but and this past season they went undefeated. Now, anybody who wants to get in coaching typically wants to coach at the best. It doesn't matter what your background is, whatever. You get into coaching, you get into it for the love of the game. You want to coach the best athletes at the best location. Da 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 da. I think the part that people sometimes miss with Dion is that the first place he wanted to coach was Florida State. His, his own alma mater where he played college ball. And they told him, no, get experience. You don't have the experience. Okay. He got the experience. At, he just happened to be at Jackson State and HBCU. Yeah. Now, yes, as a community, as African-Americans, those of us who were invested in Jackson State one way or another, whether it was prime or you're an alum or you your school is in that conference, are you hurt he didn't stay a couple of years longer? Okay, fine. You, you can be hurt by that. But you can't be mad that he took off towards the next step. Because let's be real. Competition at the conference that Jackson State is in is not the same as the Pac-12 where Colorado plays. 
It's just not. It's, it's a different level. Um, what I did find entertaining with Dion was the one of the last meetings he had with his Jackson State players and the first meeting he had with the Colorado team. Because the last meeting he had with his Jackson State players, he basically told him, like, I'm going to tell y'all this before it gets leaked by the ESPNs or anything else. Yes, I did take the job at Colorado. He told him flat out. had his Because um, I believe one of his sons has a is trying to run a production company, so they have a YouTube channel as well. And this is, the video is up there on YouTube, so you can go find it. And he sit, he's sitting down with the whole team. He tells them, um, these are the, you know, I'm leaving. Yeah, you heard right. Has nothing, nothing against y'all. Y'all a great bunch of people. I'm going to miss you. But don't enter that transfer portal. Like if so-and-so is telling you, oh, well, Prime's leaving, you need to go on out there and get your bag, da 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 I was like, don't enter that transfer portal. I'm going to sit down and talk to each of you individually before I'm fully gone because I think he still had like another couple of weeks because he hadn't named a, a successor yet. But he told them flat out, I'm going to meet with each and every one of you individually, but don't let anybody tell you, go in that transfer portal, go make that bag at that D1 school. It's like, don't do that. <laughs> All of you can't do it. And he's right. All of them can't do it. As talented as they are in their own conference, maybe five to 10 of them tops could enter that transfer portal and end up at a D1 school. Mm-hmm. Now, flip that when he got to Colorado, he done told all of them, the effort y'all put out here basically the last couple of years is trash. And at least half of y'all going to be gone before I, before I even put my first day roster together. So don't even get comfortable thinking that you're going to be here when I bring my staff. Because certain positions have already been claimed because I've already, you know, bringing them, like you said, his son's transferred to Colorado. Um, that highly recruited player that he flipped from going to Florida State to Jackson State. Yeah. He's coming to Colorado, too. Hard um, to argue with, yeah. Yeah, he, he pretty much told him day one. Quarterback's already taken. So uh, <laughs> any of y'all think y'all going to play quarterback and start? <laughs> not, not, not next year. See, now I wonder how – all those booster parents are going to feel about some things that they thought were kind of in the bag for their kids, not being in the bag for their kids anymore. When they start to see more wins, Hmm. they're still going to be upset, Mm -hmm. but I think those wins will make them less upset. And Dion didn't tell them anything that no, that a white coach probably wouldn't tell them coming in. But. Taking over the school that was one in whatever they were the year before. Half y'all ain't going to be here hmm. when I'm done. Like, some of y'all might as well hit the transfer portal now. <laughs> That's basically what Dion said. Like, half y'all going to need to hit the transfer portal because I ain't keeping you. Yeah. And and, the, and those of you who stay, I'm going to make you want to quit. And he repeated that <laughs> twice. Let me make myself clear. Those of you who stay, I'm going to make you want to quit. Yeah. Wow. Dion is trying to prove to people because I, I was one of those people in the beginning when I heard that Dion was trying to get a coaching job. My first thought was, well, I've never seen Dion coach anywhere. So how good of a job is he going to be able to do? Don't get me wrong. Phenomenal player, probably one of the smartest football players, you know, around. But again, I didn't know anything about his coaching experience. And the more I started to pay attention, I was like, all right. I was wrong about Dion. He's putting in the work. And I think the work he put in at Jackson State, plus the work he's going to put in at Colorado, I'm not saying he's just going to turn around and in two years try to go to Florida State, but, but he's, he's, definitely, Florida State. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's definitely trying to prove, or not even trying to prove, he's going to show people, I can do this as well as anyone else can. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I I think he's going to do it. That's and, and, the definition of proving. But yeah. And one of the things that I like about this is how many black head coaches do we see in Power Five schools? Mm, good point. Now I was a I wanted him to stay at Jackson State a couple more years. I was a little upset that he left when he left. I kind of always thought he would leave because I think to talking to some friends of mine who work in HR, they always say true change takes about three to five years for you to start to see it. Yeah, And I think he's already put the groundwork in at Jackson state that no matter who came in, cause I don't remember, I don't know the, the, the head coach's name, 
but that head coach has a great blueprint, and I truly believe that Jackson State is going to continue to do good things, and he's going to turn around and do that exact same thing at Colorado and then at wherever he ends up next. Yeah, and, and you're right. Power Five conferences do not have a lot of black coaches, and, I mean, it's the same thing. They're, they're, they're hired with, you know, Tons of skepticism and yep. given very little leeway to fail. Um, it's well, th- this team is already capable to win a national title, and anything short of that is failure. Um, excuse me, this team finished six in its conference last year, and you want the black coach to make this team a national championship contender in one year? Now, that is also something again, I'm putting my DNI hat on. That's also something that I see across multiple industries, whether it's the NFL, uh, healthcare academia, manufacturing, marketing, whatever it is, when they presidency, when we've messed up so bad, let's see if the black guy can do any better. We got nothing to lose. And so, hey, come in and dig us out of this ridiculous hole that we have spent 15 years putting ourselves in. You got 18 months. Yeah, I see that a lot. And it doesn't seem like it's much different here. It's not. It's not because um, honestly, after aside from Dion, I can name another mm-hmm. black coach in a power five conference. I remember Kevin Sumlin was coaching Texas A&M a few years back, um, but they kept running to Alabama and he got mm-hmm. ultimately he got fired after two seats or three seasons because he lost to Alabama two years in a row. The phrase that they use for that when they put somebody in that position is the glass cliff. Like, you know, you have the glass ceiling where you can't get above it. The glass cliff is you're out here and the performance metrics for you are so overly complicated and ridiculous and impossible or whatever that any wrong step and you're off the cliff. You ruined your career. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be perfect. The stress of that alone causes a lot of early heart attacks. No, nope. I'm not trying to be jo- I'm not making jokes about a lot of early heart attacks and a lot of people in their late 30s, early 40s, the stress of trying to be perfect all the time. I don't think Dion has a problem. He's very self-aware and self-assured. I don't think he's going to have that problem. I'm just speaking about it because I just took three shots of chocolate liquor and um, wanted to speak about how this is a, this is a very common thing that a lot of black people in powerful positions face is don't mess up because the minute you put on a tan suit, we're going to have a problem, right? So, yeah. yeah. Very much. Mm-hmm. I hope that chocolate liquor was good. It was so good. Because <laughs> I was watching you and I was like, dang, I, that looks good. I mean, you yeah. know. As, as you say that from the Caribbean, Kendi. Right. You know, since I, I came to the Caribbean, I got to drown my sorrows in these little chocolate liquor things. One of my um, friends from, from Brussels from Germany, and uh, the Germans be doing it right. I mean, they they have cracked that code for sure. That German oh. chocolate. But because I said I was in Sankrat, I've given you guys the hour that I told them that I would take. <laughs> so I'm watching. I'm going to be watching my phone okay. the rest of the show, guys. Okay. <laughs> see you later. You and thank you. See you guys next month. See ya. Um, Congratulations to your uh, family. Thank um, you. <laughs> the only other story that I wanted to bring up um, that we get, you know, that we missed because last month craziness or whatever was Brittany Griner is home. Brittany Griner is home um, for whatever political posturing or whatever you want to claim out there. I don't care. I am happy she's home. I don't give a good two craps about what people think. Oh, we get- Shut your face. Mm-hmm. Brittany Griner is home. Right. right. I'm very, very happy. I know that she suffered a lot and there's things that she's not speaking about that, you know, potentially have happened to her while she was um, locked up over there. And, you know, the prisons here are hotel compared to those out of the way Russian gulag prisons that they have over there. So I'm very, very glad that she's home. Um, I am the best therapy that money can buy. I hope so. I am irritated with the people that were like, why did we trade her for blah, 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 blah. Man, F you and your dog and your sister and your car and your broke ass, all that friends shit you call art. The whole song, A, B, C, D, E, F, U. Um, because 
this woman did not deserve the punishment that she got. And it's not about, oh, well, you know, there's a crime over there. The exact same thing had happened with other American citizens bringing substances more, much, much more than she had into Russia and getting a slap on the wrist. And so the idea of she should have known mm, they don't they did they never enforce it until they decided to enforce it for political reasons. Right. And I'm glad I I am glad that Biden was president when this happened because I'm not a hundred percent sure we would have traded for her under different circumstances. Right. And so I'm very very glad that she is home and I wish her all the best. I wish her a full mental, physical, and spiritual recovery from what she's been through. Hope to see her back next season. Um, yeah, but yeah, but but stay out them European countries. Just don't go over there. And, and that was something that was brought up is like, well, why was she over there anyway? Well, um, because the top salaries in the WNBA are only like a million and a half. Yeah. She can make triple that. And yeah. Euro leagues pay three and four times that amount. And the same amount of time that the WNBA season is. So, yeah, you wonder why do all your, you know, WNBA players go overseas to play ball in the offseason? Right. They pay better. Yeah. And 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 absolutely. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Latoya, you are absolutely. Right, except the food is better. <laughs> American food is mostly plastic and chemicals. I'm no. just no, it's funny you say that the department that I work in, um, we've got a lot of international students in the uh, the department that I work. And whenever I'm at, when, whenever I actually have time to have lunch with them, just the conversation around food is always very, very interesting. How some of them are adjusting to American food with all of the preservatives and everything mm-hmm. else that's in it. And the one thing that really stood out over one conversation was bread versus cake. Like there's so much yeah. sugar in American bread that yeah. to a lot of Europeans, it's cake. It's cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's that's actually there's a precedent for that because McDonald's at one point they were having their buns made for the McDonald's in France and having their buns made in France, of course. But the French, yes, food outside the country is a game changer. Yeah. I I have traveled across to several different countries and every time. Every time, except Great Britain, every time I'm like, yo, this food is awesome. The best food I had in Great Britain was Indian food. But um, the back to the French, they went the, the the bread makers went on strike and they quit making bread. They would still make cake and pastries, but they would not make bread. And so McDonald's is like, you're not about to mess with my um, my money. So they went, took them to court and sued for them to make McDonald's buns because Based on the sugar content in McDonald's buns, they did not qualify as bread. They qualified as a pastry. So wow. make my buns. And that's the same. And that's why if you if you watch the proliferation of obesity around the world, most countries had a pretty good handle on good food and drinking water and, you know, being moderate size until McDonald's, KFC, Popeye's and the rest. Well, not Popeye's, McDonald's, KFC, Taco Bell showed up. We have fattened the world. But, you know, what do I know? (laughs) I'll tell you what, like the reason that you can go to Italy and have a dinner of pasta and salad and olive oil and blah, 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 blah. It's because all that stuff is fresh from yesterday. You make that same meal here and you're eating 15 percent partially hydrogenated soybean oil along with everything else. Okay, I'm way off. I'm way off sports. (laughs) And Coke. Yes, Latoya, Coke. Coca-Cola isn't even made the same way. So can, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you with that one, Joy, but let me I just have a, I have a quick Coke story to tell. And I'm glad oh, yeah. Latoya brought it up. So um, Fellini's, a pizza place here in Atlanta. I don't know if they're outside of Atlanta or not, but I was at Fellini's with a friend of mine once and we're ordering our pizza. And the guy said, hey, do you want to try a Mexican Coke? I had no idea what Mexican Coke was. I was like, sure, let's try it because I like I like trying new stuff and I drink it. And I can legitimately taste the difference. Mm-hmm. I forget how much later it was that I find out, but pretty much the only difference is Mexican Coke has real sugar 
versus the high fructose corn syrup that they put in American soda. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, well, what? And again, I didn't know what high fructose corn syrup was at the time. I'm dumb American. So I do a little bit of digging and I'm like, oh, that stuff is just nasty and killing people. And come to find out it's illegal in almost every other world power mm-hmm. except here in America. Mm-hmm. And I'm just and the, like, the subsidies that we give farmers to continue to make corn and nothing else so we can have more high fructose corn syrup and everything. Mm-hmm. If we would just stop doing that and let them actually grow the food that we need to eat, we would solve our own problem. We wouldn't have to subsidize them like we do. But transit time from middle America to the outskirts means a lot of that stuff dies along the way. So the cost of a strawberry goes up. You think Whole Foods is expensive, you have another thing coming. And so we we import, it's cheaper to import it, just like labor, cheaper to import it from somewhere else than to grow it here. And then we fill ourselves with, with nonsense mm-hmm. and plastic. We have yeah. a lot of plastic in our bodies. Yeah, one of the first things I learned when I came to Atlanta was that Coke is literally made different in every other country in mm-hmm. the world. Like it's not made the same in any two countries at all. Not even the same flavors, not even the same base ingredients. And the Sani is nothing but the distilled water that they use to make Coke and everything else just without all the stuff in it. That's why it's so disgusting. Yes, I said it. We all know it. It's the worst kept secret ever. The Sani is the nastiest water ever. It is. It is I wouldn't even quantify that as water. Product. That's not even water. <laughs> it is an in-processed product that they were like, you know what? We could bottle this. It's clear. Water. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's all the sports stories I've got. Um... Yeah, I got anything else? <laughs> yeah, I'm with Latoya. It was weird getting used to a life without preservatives, and now I can't go back. I go to uh, Decal Farmer's Market every weekend because I refuse to buy produce in the regular stores anymore because it's just different and better. Clear my skin up. Yup. Yeah, I'm done with sports, though. Ferris, <laughs> <laughs> nope. you got anything? Nope. Just, just want to reiterate what you said earlier. I am so glad Brittany Griner is home. Just, yeah. just so glad because we love you. Brittany. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I hope you know she gets the best care that she can so that she can get back to some sense of normalcy for mm-hmm. whatever that means for her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Live your best life, girl. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Live your best yep. life. Um. Hey. Hey, Moana. <laughs> You're on mute. Sorry, those dang mute buttons. Um, yeah, that was a good conversation uh, tonight. Interesting um, diversion to the whole Coke and food supply. That's that could be a whole other, a whole other episode that we can <laughs> talk about for sure. I definitely, um, yeah. If you travel outside of this country, you could definitely tell a difference on yeah. a whole lot of types of food. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, definitely thank you guys for joining us um, and for another great conversation um, here on the show. I just I like the diversity of content that we have um, here on the podcast, and we're just um, we appreciate um, you guys coming on and and helping us as we continue to grow um, our audience and um, the topics that we talk about. Uh, so with that said, thank you everybody who's tuning in, who tuned in tonight. Um, if you are not following the show, especially Latoya, shout out to Latoya. Yeah, Latoya's uh, here every week or every yes. month supporting us. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Latoya. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes. Um, if you have not, uh, followed us already, please give us a like, a subscribe on YouTube, um, as well as on Agents of Geekdom. Um, let's see for the week. Um, hope you all have a great weekend. Um, and in celebration of, of MLK Day, um, tribute to him and all that he has brought to our community and celebrate and honor him in whatever way, um, is appropriate for you all. But, um, as always, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, next week we will 
is our um, talent development series with Sue Ann Hong and our topic will be cultural competency. Uh, so please join us next Thursday, the 19th um, at 8.30 p.m. right here um, on the Moana Nui podcast. Until then, take care everybody and we'll talk to you all soon. Good night. Uh, Bye guys. So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will If this the land of the free was a freedom then When they annexed Hawaii and called it see the lands Without any type of payment and no signing off Called themselves the Republic in 1894 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure The Hawaiian language is banned As part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No regard for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will so if we put Hawaii in a perspective, well black and Asian history is interconnected. Considering the fight with the Pacific, then of course versus Asia, they was treated as a middleman for war, but didn't let the Western colorism run its course. Cause dark skin was a sign of dignity to core. The land was taken in the name of capitalism. When prior to it was an actual kingdom, clap back at the system. Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No regard for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If he won't tell it, we will so many stories left to tell, even if we have to ourselves, can't keep history on the shelf, if we won't tell it, we will. So many stories left to tell, even if we have to ourselves, can't keep history on the shelf, if we won't tell it, we will. So many stories left to tell, even if we have to ourselves, can't keep history on the shelf, if we won't tell it, we will. We will.